0: Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents The Man of the Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome ID Enang. This is Navigate with ID Enang. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with ID. Such a pleasure to be here, as always. Like I always say, I'm grateful to God for the privilege of life. I'm also grateful God has given me the opportunity to share, to also learn from you, and we can all jointly achieve great productivity and performance. Friends, this session is none other than focusing on the business track we have been following. And if you recall, the underlying theme for us during this period is acquiring a business acumen. The theme for the period is acquiring the business acumen or, you may say, acquiring a business acumen. Business acumen also means business skill, business sense, and it also means being savvy business-wise. But we have started the journey by taking out the foundational issues that may arise as a result of nonchalance, ignorance, and the inability to connect with certain foundational issues. That is why we had to take all the time last week to talk about business etiquette. I hope this made all the difference to you. And sincere thanks to our sponsors, MTN, for making this come alive. And so, my friends, in continuation of the same track, I'm starting a new topic within the same context by bringing to the fore how you can understand business models. So, the topic for the period is understanding business models and this is really an educative form that will be summarizing different aspects simply because you and i may have several people that are starters those that have been existing those that really do not even know where to go we are talking about carrying everybody along and so please if for any reason you feel this is too mundane It is because we have a whole tribe to carry. And in the tribe, there are different persons, personalities, and people are in different stages of their own development. If you have attained the ultimate space of development, like I always say, every living thing and every living being must grow. Take this as a refresher, but it will also be nice for you not to discard what you may learn. And so, follow me as I continue on this beautiful series to help up the ante of your business skill and your business acumen. So, what does it mean when we talk about business models? Let me start from the standpoint of legality or looking at the legal status that is available to you when starting a business in our climb and indeed looking at it worldwide, there are different types of legal status that you may find. But I'm just going to concentrate on four. And these are the sole proprietorship, partnership, limited liability company, and a corporation. You will need to take into account several considerations when deciding which of these will be best for your new business. So, for example, you will need to think about taxation and administration implications, the image of the business, the legal requirements, financial issues, and so on and so forth. This typical action list shows you how to decide which status is most suitable for the business you're about to embark upon. And even if you are in the business, it can also raise some of the issues You may need to consider. And so I'm going to take this from a frequently asked question perspective. So, for example, when is sole proprietorship status suitable? A lot of people today, especially the young ones, and then also some older ones, are looking at startups. They are wondering how do I set up a company? I want to set up a business. Many people today are setting up their businesses and still using their names, even if they call it a business account, everything about it is still flourishing in their name. But there is nothing that brings legality to it. And to that extent, you will find that many people may not even know that there is a sole proprietorship status that is available. So you may be asking me from the bottom of your heart, when is sole proprietorship status suitable. There are various advantages to operating as a sole proprietor. The status of a sole proprietor is convenient in situations when just one person will own the business and will have final responsibility for its management and development. It is possible to employ other people if you are a sole proprietor. So it's not just about you alone, but then ultimately the business is the individuals and there is no separate legal status. So today you find people registering a business name and they call it ID Ventures, so-so-and-so enterprise. All of these are sole proprietorship status, businesses that are set up solely By an individual. And there are various advantages to operating as a sole proprietor. You generally do not have to file any special forms or pay any special fees to start your business. In Nigeria, for instance, you will go through the process like we do with the Corporate Affairs Commission to register your sole proprietor or business name and of course the kind of fees that you are going to pay given the ease of doing business is almost negligible for a sole proprietor. And so to that extent, you will find that within our local environment, very many of us would actually be setting up business names to kickstart this beautiful thought you may have, the concept you may have, or the opportunity or need you want to fulfill. And so you need a legal status to make everyone understand that you are truly in business. That also means that you will have an opportunity to open an account. You cannot go to the bank and open an account in a business name using your private account. As far as the bank is concerned, it is a personal account and it is not a business account. A business account has several other iterations and items that are required. However, let me say this, that what you find in Nigeria is not what you're going to find in Ghana. It actually differs by locale, meaning the regulations differ by locale. So what you need to do now is you can go online, the Corporate Affairs Commission is online, or better still, you can also employ the services of a legal advisor or get a lawyer to help you put all of that together. Friends, the reason is that there are local tax requirements. There are certain state regulations that you will require to understand if you are obtaining this sole proprietorship status. Now, I must tell you that in terms of Dealing with uh, legislation and taxation uh, compared to that of a limited liability company or corporation, the sole proprietor or sole proprietorship status is still very fair and much more minimized than you will have for a limited liability company. And so, you as the owner, for example, are entitled to all the profits made by the business. And remember, There are forms of taxation that will apply. As your business grows, there are certain taxes that you will need to pay because it is a legal entity. And you must not treat it as a personal backroom event or title. And when that brings it to bear, you then understand what a sole proprietorship status can do for you at the very minimum It makes you bring your ideas to life. You may ask the second question, when is partnership status suitable? A partnership is a good vehicle for you and I to use when you find your business involving two or more people. Here, you're finding a situation where two or more people own a business together. Unlike a sole proprietorship, Our partnership has no separate legal identity and does not generally need to be formally registered individually. It's a collective. What you typically do is when you have a partnership status, now it is not on its own one that will go take on a legal identity. So let me repeat that very well. Like a sole proprietorship, a partnership has no separate legal identity and does not generally need to be formally registered with a government office. So what I'm saying in essence is that you can have an MOU. So for instance, ID Ventures may call up Victor to join him as a partner in ID Ventures, a business name but we do not necessarily have to go to CAC again and register the partnership because we may have a memorandum of understanding that binds both of us together. But many times you find people today are running several partnerships, but they do not engage the services of lawyers or legal advisors. I will say this to you friends, Experts recommend, however, that any partnership be formalized by a written general partnership agreement. That is what experts recommend. And I will also recommend that you do that. Many a time you find people feeling that they've been ripped off by their partners, and it's all because it's been done on a party party basis. Is my friend. Is my in law, is my brother in law, is my brother, is my cousin. That does not change the status of what that person is to you. But when it comes to business, and if you're forming a partnership, there must be a formalized written partnership agreement. Because in the days to come, when you now have issues and you need to take on court ruling, or you want to take it to court, or you want to take the legal position, it is that agreement that will be seen as binding between both of you. So, a partnership is another type of business model that can necessarily be explored. Now, there are several advantages to operating as a partnership. The structure of a partnership can be flexible, according to the partnership agreement. There is less paperwork to deal with regarding legislation and taxation than for a limited liability company or corporation. Management responsibilities, risks, and losses are shared, meaning the risks, the losses are all shared. Partners can bring a variety of different skills and experience to the business. I have, over the years, had the privilege of mentoring some of my young, younger colleagues. And um, to a larger extent, in the last couple of years, I've had mentees come to me asking my thoughts on partnership agreements that most of them have never had and they had their agreements in the head or in principle. And the first thing I always say to them is, you need to formalize it. I just dealt with one, I think last month, a mentee of mine who lives in the US was engaged as a partner or co-founder by another individual who happened to be a friend, but the person is based in Nigeria, And they are meant to work together concerning a business item. And on this particular item, an MOU was drawn. At the time when they had the conversation, when it came to penning down those things that they had verbally, the original founder began to draw back. She began to look at things differently. The things that she was meant to fulfill by way of obligation is decided to rename them and so i said to my mentee that is why you must spell out black in black and white nothing must be kept don't assume that this person understands what you're saying that is why in a partnership agreement or any agreement whatsoever there is always an addendum or shadow or an appendix there you can typify all that you are looking for and all you want to talk about. What are those responsibilities? What are those risks? And what are those losses that may come? And the fact that sometimes in a partnership, you may not have cash to get into the partnership, but you're coming with your equity and that equity could be your brain, could be your know-how, could be your survey, could be your, the technical prowess, could be your expertise. That can count for you to come into that space as a partner. And then, if your other partner recognizes the value you're bringing to the table, the compensation should equally match it. That's why it is important to document all of these because a lot of us fail to do the needful and what happens thereafter, we then suffer losses. One interesting thing about this, partnership is the fact that many times people get into those partnerships and they think that they've avoided the law or the tax man or that taxation will be off limits. No. It's an income. You need to declare it as part of what you earn. So in a local balance, if you are in Lagos or wherever state of uh, operation or state you're operating from, you can have a direct assessment form that allows you to effectively say, this is how much I've earned as commission, and this is what it stands at. And then the tax authorities will definitely tell you, this is what is due to you. This is what you need to pay as tax. Now, if the structure of the business or the enclave or the partnership you have is such that you are paid a certain levy and the withholding tax is taken off you then know that that withholding tax is going to the state and by reason of your presenting that receipt your withholding tax will net off whatever your entire tax obligation would be at the end of the day so friends I'm telling you that from a partnership standpoint there is also a space for tax more people get involved in these kind of business, but they do not follow the legal process. More people involved in this manner of business do not understand that it means that more capital can be raised among themselves if they do the needful, because partners can bring a variety of skills and experience to the business. So don't in any way run away from partnerships. What you need to do is to define the rules, define the contribution, define responsibilities, and put everything on the table. Ensure that you are not the pawn on the board. Ensure that you are also an officer that is calling the shots based on the nature of the business that you've embarked upon. Partnerships allow you to come to the table with an opportunity to collaborate. You can raise enough capital. Like my mentee I talked about that was in the US or that is in the US, running a partnership with another person here in Nigeria. She was able to bring in investors into the business. Now, with the challenge that they are facing right now, the investors are left with no other option but to assess, you know, the quality of what they are getting in terms of returns because they were not investing in the business just because they know the person that introduced them. Yes, that is a factor, but given due diligence, they are investing because they want to make money or they want to make some form of profit. So I beckon on you today to understand that partnerships cannot be taken over by other businesses. Why? because they are structured. Now, coming home to look at the type of partnership, a limited partnership is a partnership which has at least one partner who is a general partner. That is to say, he or she has management rights and unlimited liability and at least one limited partner. A limited partner who may be an individual or a company, contributes a fixed amount as capital or property to the partnership, but is only liable for partnership debts or liabilities up to the amount they have contributed. So in essence, you are limited to your contributions or your company, is limited to the contributions you have made or a fixed amount to the partnership. And that's where you sit when it comes to issues around liabilities on debts, et cetera. Now, a limited partner may not be personally involved in the management of a company. At that stage, you are seeing yourself as an investor. So why does this not make me look like I'm in a limited Liability company. No. A limited liability company, which I'll still come to, has the flexibility and tax status of partnership for the benefits of limited liability. Business profits or losses are reported on the owner's personal tax returns. The limited liability company itself does not pay taxes in that way. You understand what I mean? because the profits, they are taxed. And the liability of all of the partners is limited to their capital contribution to the limited liability company. Now, so your personal assets cannot be seized to settle debts. Limited liability companies are required to register with the state. So that's why if you form a limited liability company, you need to go through a much more robust uh, registration process, other than that of a sole proprietor, or one we just termed as an ordinary partnership, where somebody calls you to join up simply because of your skill, your ability, your connection. There's something that you are bringing to the table, and they are willing to award a certain status for you as a partner, and so. When we look at this whole piece, the question you'll probably be asking me is, when is a limited liability company status suitable? Many of us today run into setting up limited liability companies without understanding the full expectations. It is something that requires a lot more than you just see just on the surface. And that's one of the things that I'm going to touch on very briefly because I'm going to move from a limited liability company status, I'll move then to a franchise. And once we do that, we'll then begin to look at why these business models exist and which one would suit you the most given what you want to do today, tomorrow, maybe in the future. But this little education. Hopefully, we'll put you on a better pedestal. We'll be right back. We want to take a quick break, so don't go away. Stay on. And when we get back, we'll continue by looking at a franchise, and I'll also uh, revisit when a limited liability company status is suitable. Thank you, and don't go away. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends, to Navigate with ID. It's such a pleasure to have you on this program. Thank you for tuning in. And if you have just joined us, I bid you welcome. Uh, We're looking at understanding business models. I've been looking at the different types of legal status available to you when starting a business or even when joining a business. I started by briefly touching on the sole proprietorship status partnership status, and we just had a tinge of conversation around the limited liability company status, what we typically call LLC. A limited liability company consists of stockholders, of shareholders, members whose percent of ownership is based on their capital contribution. That is why you find companies today either listed as limited or they are public listed companies, PLCs. Regardless of that, you'll find that they all have what we call shareholders and then they also have uh, stakeholders. The stakeholders, it's all embracing the owners of the company, the financiers of the business and sometimes in that capacity, when someone has majority shares, that person to a large extent, can still call some shots. Part of the shots could be he will he or she will designate that a particular role be ceded to him as a major investor in that business. So, for example, in a limited liability company, an individual has commanding or controlling shares. He can actually demand that he will want the CEO to be someone that is ceded to his account, meaning that he will actually present or present the CEO. In some other cases, it could be the chief financial officer because he or she is trying to protect his or our investments. But it's all around the percent of ownership that is based on capital contribution. LLCs are formed when the business requires outside funding for its operation. Typical limited liability companies that I call LLCs, you'll find that managing members hold management responsibility and unlimited liability. Member liability is limited to their percent ownership. So, for example, at the time, maybe I work for a company like Coca Cola. Because Coca Cola Company is an international company, now I, as a director or a management staff, I do not have any liabilities because I'm not part of the ownership of the company. Same thing goes with any other multinational. However, if my family, say family in this regard, take it in any form, could be your business partner, could be your group, you have a family of friends and they put monies together and they invest in a particular company. Yes, at that point in time, they are not just holding management responsibility, but they also have some form of liability. The main advantage of the limited liability company structure is that its members have limited liability for the debts of the business up to the value of their shareholding. meaning that you cannot pay for more than what you have contributed. So if your share of contribution is 10 naira and the debts accrued are 15, you are only liable subject to the 10 naira. You are not the only shareholder and the rest of it at the time of liquidation. So the filing procedure also with our Corporate Affairs Commission to create a limited liability company can be a bit more complicated than a sole proprietorship which is a single individual. But be rest assured that with the ease of doing business, some of these items have been considered and have been given some, you know, what I would call is bureaucratic lift, meaning you don't have to go through the rigors. Once upon a time in this country, if you had to set up a business name or to get a limited liability kick in, just for you to go through the process of getting a name approved it could take months because of the bureaucracy. But these days, it's almost like a one button or 24 hour item where you can always get feedback in terms of the search, as they call it. So an LLC can be complicated because it is a business that requires a lot more. And so one of the things I'll is that you need to have an attorney have a legal advisor i will recommend that an attorney assistance should be taken by you if you are morphing your business into a limited liability company status and bear in mind that in the exigencies of your board you must have a company secretariat there will be a company secretary all the full rules of engagement will apply so If you are a small, medium entrepreneur, I'm going to say to you, you need to choose your battle in terms of what you want to engage in, because you are going to be levied with corporation taxes, education taxes. There will be levies by government that are fiscal in nature. For instance, if the government has a policy that a certain percentage of profit should be dedicated to support education, your profit will be taxed to that extent. That will not happen with an ordinary business name. So having a limited liability company status requires a bit more. So many of you that jump into having LLCs, oh, my company, I want it to be limited liability, must understand that it comes also with a lot of responsibility. You have to pay your taxes. You have to be socially responsible. And more importantly, you must have a business savvy. because because the same way you have brought in contributors or investors, they will, the demands will be a lot more than when you are running your own business as a sole proprietor. You are answerable to yourself or every other person is answerable to you as a sole proprietor. But as a limited liability company, you are answerable to a board if you are the managing director. And if per adventure you are the majority shareholder You cannot take a unanimous decision. It still has to be taken to vote from the board. Okay. At this stage and at this juncture, I would like to shift into a different business model, which you find obtainable and has a possibility that you can consider. And that is a franchise. So what is a franchise? A franchise is a license that has been granted by one business, that is the franchiser, to another, the franchisee. Allowing the franchisee to use the trademark and name of the franchiser, as well as its methods for marketing, management, administration, and so on within the business. Many of you may not understand this, but A franchise business model is one that operates with two levels. There is someone that has a license. So, for example, once upon a time, when you look at a lot of the eateries that we have in Lagos, or eateries generally, whether in Lagos or Abuja, and they are of international repute, I don't want to call the names because they are not necessarily sponsoring this show, and I'm not giving them free ads. So when you find an E tree that is being brought in, and the name can really be of international status, and probably the license owner is either based in some other country, could be within Africa, could be within America, could be within Europe or wherever. When such a person sits and determines that he or she wants to allow you. Use their marks to use, and the trademark here is the name, their livery, their logo, the colors, everything. Then you need to understand that that is actually a franchise arrangement because there will be certain requirements that you must meet for you to do it. There are several advantages to franchising, the franchisee by investing in a proven business format can become the owner of a business with a well-known brand name while at the same time overcoming some of the difficulties associated with a new business so many of us nigerians run over to china we do some things we run over to europe we do some business with some group whether they are selling home appliances whether they are selling personal products, and these days that people get into producing either their own beauty brands, which is great, or they want to produce those brands in Nigeria, but using the name of a foreign brand, then it has to be a franchise arrangement. In that franchise arrangement, there's always some hassle, I can tell you. Many of them don't end up well. Many of them always end up with the franchiser or the franchisee feeling that the franchiser has tried to cheat or serve more than they are meant to be served. So many times you find these arrangements always have issues. But I can tell you of a model that I've I've noticed and embraced and I also worked for. And a simple model is the Coca-Cola Company. You will always find that Coca-Cola op- operates a franchise arrangement. you find Coke being produced in several countries around the world, but Coca-Cola may not necessarily own the bottling plants. Those bottling plants are owned by the bottlers or a different entity, but they are in a franchise arrangement. And in that arrangement, you'll find that someone has the rights to manufacture, has the rights to... To manage the marketing and also to administer or deliver the goods so it can be a case of manufacture and deliver while i create the demand and this is what we are going to do in this whole arrangement you also find that running especially when you have measures and acquisitions there is always something that comes in there the franchisee also receives help in finding and refurbishing their premises, it could be that as part of the agreement, all of these are normally put in very strict agreements. Refurbishing the plants may not necessarily be one, but refurbishing of the brand. So do you need to go through some restage or repositioning of the brand. Of course, it's not going to be a cost that is carried by the franchisee alone. The franchiser has to come to the table. And so will help give any form of support, whilst at the same time may also give all that is required in terms of planning permission and purchasing inventory and equipment, and as well as staff training. Many times you find in a franchise arrangement, you can even have that operate in aviation. Today you can see some of our airlines are operating wet leases. And then when you get into the aircraft these days, you'll see foreigners either sitting as a crew and maybe one local. The rest of them are foreigners. That's a franchise agreement. Somebody has done a wet lease. And so in that kind of stage, they will bring you the staff. They will train your own staff. At the same time, they'll be involved in marketing and advertising but then the franchisee is then able to concentrate on the day-to-day running of the business. So a franchise arrangement can be very sweet on the table as a business model. But please, I want to beg you by the message of God that you must understand the industry, understand the terrain, understand and do absolute due diligence with the franchiser. Because many franchisers can be wolves in sheep clothing. They look very warm at the beginning, but they turn out to be fierce foxes that are looking to devour. Why? There are hidden items they may not expose to you. And so if you're going into a franchise agreement, don't think you are a smart man. You don't need a lawyer. You need a very good attorney to help you negotiate and also walk through the... the the entire spectrum once upon a time a few years ago my colleagues and i my partners and i were about to get into a franchise arrangement with a certain foreign organization these guys own a brand the brand sitting around the the canned uh, meal category and they also made trips to this part of the world and as we continue to do our due diligence on both sides One of the things that stood for us, my partners and I, was the fact that they kept saying that they hadn't found such dignity and respectful gentlemen to work with. But it then turns out that they were looking out for a way to fleece. And it was easier to spot the gorilla because within our partnership, one of us was very strong when it came to business or when it comes to talking about business development. The other partner was very strong with supply chain, and here I was on the commercial and general management side. So three-fold call that could not be broken. That's who we represented. And so at any point in time, whether in meetings outside the country or meetings within the country, these guys found that we were solidly competent to fish out and to deal with the issues. Did we end up taking on of finishing that partnership or franchise? The answer is no. Despite all the investments that we put on the table, that due diligence, as much as it hurt, was painful, but it was necessary for us to pull the plug. Today, my partners, they now have an own brand and that own brand is now coming in on the table. So if this did not come through, there wouldn't have been any room for you to even think about owning yours, so a franchise arrangement is great, but you must understand that the franchiser will be looking for ways to fleece you. Not in all cases, but they want maximum returns. That's what I mean by fleecing. But if you don't have the right and requisite skill and expertise, they could just eat your lunch, finish you with dinner, and have you for breakfast. So. You'll be working, working, and paying, and realities are going, and you cannot even put any single penny in your account. The franchisor will be able to provide specialist managerial advice and guidance to help you overcome any problems that a small business is likely to encounter. But then the franchisor will benefit from you being the local man or local woman that understands the local innuendos. So it is very important that you do not forsake because you are speaking to a foreigner, because you are speaking to a big brand. They are going to tell you that they are in 500 outlets in 20 countries. Don't let that bamboozle you. Why are they coming to Nigeria? And why are you looking for me? Because I am the man that can help you expand your network. I'm the man that can help you derive value. So don't cheapen what I bring to the table. From the point you're having conversations, don't cheapen yourself because you are both there to have a win win relationship. So I want to ask you to do something to ensure that you look at the business model, especially their distribution channels, ask yourself how reliable they are and whether they can be maintained once the business changes hands calculate the profitability of the business after any initial capital outlay for improvements. Now, I wanna step into a terrain where some of us ultimately can grow into. Nigerians must start thinking about when you go into any business, how can I buy businesses? You can also be someone that buys businesses. I mean, look at it, we create And people come to buy. That's the nature of the the world, especially in this era of tech. With technology, you can create a brand, create an item, create an identity, and someone somewhere will offer to buy it. And so it means that in stepping into this business model, there's always another thing to talk about, is how do you determine the price? If you become interested in buying a business or purchasing a business, you'll need to value it and determine a reasonable price in conjunction with the seller. So if you are thinking right now, I have a million naira with me and somebody has a business that you think you want to buy, now I'm using a million here um, just so you know because there are small-scale businesses you can buy. The price of a business may be derived from some of the factors that I mentioned previously, i.e. distribution, i.e the nature of the brand, the development index, etc. It can also depend upon an appraisal of the other capital items, like land and buildings. The fair market value of the property is affected by a number of factors. So, if you're taking a skilled business that has a lot of property attached to it, you need to understand that it must include the business's location in relation to its customers and suppliers, employees, competition. So the condition of the premises, for example, whether improvements are necessary to bring them up to legally acceptable standards is also an important consideration. For many of you that are thinking about going into manufacturing, there's something called GMP, Good Manufacturing Practice. The factory you want to buy or you want to co-partner with or co-produce with, do they have GMP? At what form are they giving you a price? And what does that price entail? If tomorrow the regulators, NAVDAG, son on, name it, decide to pay a visit to that business, would you be caught napping? And so in considering the price on the table, these are all the things that you must put into cognizant. Financial considerations such as the cost of property, maintenance, transfer of title, licenses, leases, property taxes, etc., need to be taken into account. There may also be problems over the transfer of a lease on premises. Some leases prohibit assignment. So, due diligence, friends, is key. There are other external factors you must put in such as current interest rates and the state of the market and including the property market the influence a property's value has and also you need to look at the future outlook so whether the property will continue to meet the needs of the business as it grows is something that you must consider there will also be need for you to do a valuation of the fixtures and fittings. Friends, this is what due diligence is all about. When you are looking at a business model that is coming from the space of you playing a contributory role, maybe you want to invest in a limited liability company, you need to know, you need not just sitting down and looking at the top, oh, I'm okay with the financials. I'm okay, yes, I can see the PL is working well. The balance sheet is there. You are looking at the surface. You need to go and drill deeper because you may not even understand that what you're about to step into may be greater than you imagine. So, what are the common mistakes that people make when you rush through the research stage? Do not rush through the stage of due diligence. Please make sure that you are evaluate every aspect. Have what I call a recorded valuation and inventory count, and let it be done by a third party. If you don't conduct thorough research or due diligence, you may find you have made the wrong decision. Without enough information, facts, figures, and forecasts, a view of any business prospect can be easily distorted and misleading. Again, when you do not exercise due diligence, you must know that you should always exercise it when purchasing a business especially, and even buying into one. You must make sure that what the vendor is saying is correct. Examine all the financial statements carefully. Employ the services of an expert. Ask yourself whether customers are likely to remain loyal once you've taken over the business and whether suppliers will maintain the same relationship with you. If you don't exercise due diligence, you'll only have yourself to blame for any problems you could have discovered before the purchase. And finally, not setting a price before bidding. If you are selling your business, you should have a price band in mind before bidding. Otherwise, you'll be at a disadvantage. The seller may state an asking price outright, at which time the buyer must be prepared to negotiate. This way, you shouldn't spend more than you can afford. Friends, all I'm saying to you is basically coming from what i call the business bible and it's necessary as we build that business acumen and you're about to step into business these are elements that you must consider and know which way to go in rounding off i'm going to say to you if you are starting small please start with a sole proprietor you can always upscale to a limited liability company thank you so much for listening. It's been a great pleasure sharing with you. Please remember on Thursday, we'll have an open mic where you can ask questions and hopefully we'll be able to take ourselves through a better understanding of business and what it takes to build business acumen. Thank you so much. God bless. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.